Provoke podcast is brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists, Marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy-to-use PR software. Get a free demo today at Notified.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the Provoke podcast. I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims, the EMEA editor at Provoke, and I'm joined today by two great people from Manifest, which is known um, by everyone in the UK as one of our creative powerhouse agencies. And they're here to talk about a brilliant taboo-busting campaign they've been been working on, which has gone live really recently. Um, I'll ask them to introduce themselves properly and their um, and their roles and careers in a second. First up, we have Creative Director Chimoy Picho Owini, and we also have Consumer Campaign Director Emma Corbett. Welcome to both of you. Thanks, Maya. Yeah, thank you. Nice um, to it's lovely to have you here. We don't often do, we don't really have scope within Provoke for kind of campaign overviews and case studies, normally outside kind of the awards um, work we do. So it's great to actually kind of dive into, into such a brave campaign uh, in more depth. So thanks so much for your, your time in doing that with us today. First of all, can you give us a little introduction to yourselves and your, your careers to this point? Chamoy, I'll start with you. Yeah, um, well, well, it's great to be here, so thanks. Um, so yes, I'm the Creative Director at Manifest, and I guess um, I've had a bit of a meandering career, um, really sort of working with brands and helping, I guess, helping brands um, understand culture and really connect with people. So um, I actually joined Manifest um, prior to the first lockdown. Um, and uh, just before Manifest, actually, I was working at the New York Times and that really gave me, I think, uh, um, an appreciation that, that, you know, I've always had, but heightened really around how brands can stand up for things um, and, you know, get involved in, in issues that people care about. And, you know, like that great brand, um, what we really try to do is seek the truth um, and really see how we can kind of, you know, turn up in culture and shine a light on, on what's happening. I love that. We can talk more about the intersection between culture and brands and creativity later on. But Emma, do you want to just introduce yourself too? Yes. So I'm a consumer campaign director at Manifest. I started my career in the industry about just nine years ago. Um, and I've been lucky to go through some some incredible agencies. So um, H&K, Hill & Knowlton. Um, then I went on to Mischief and um, landed at landed on my feet at Manifest about two, two and a half, coming up three years ago. And um, across those agencies have, have, have been equally as lucky to work with such a diverse, um, diverse kind of portfolio of, of consumer, consumer clients um, ranging, you know, across parenting, across travel, across food and drink. Um, um, but what really gets me excited is, is the purpose-led the purpose-led work where we can really delve into into the audience we're speaking to and as Troy Tomoy said uncover some uncover some truths um and and do some some positive uh kind of world-changing life-changing work I love that so how's the past year before we talk about the Tommy Tippy campaign how's the past year been for you guys at Manifest yeah well um I'll just jump in there we uh, you know, obviously it's, it's been tough for everyone. Um, 
And I, I think as we started to kind of adjust to working from home and, you know, particularly when it comes to kind of the creative process is obviously, you know, a completely different process working on screen and not being able to, you know, be in the same room. Um, I think once we started getting into the rhythm and as we came out of the, uh, out of summer, we started really seeing clients um, re regain their confidence um, and, uh, you know, just adjust really and understand how they could spend their budgets and also where they wanted to be, you know, how they wanted to turn up in culture. Um, and then it just started getting really busy. We were very lucky to, to kind of ride through that. So we've sort of come out of the year um, much stronger, I think, as a team. Um, and we've also got very, very uh, used to um, the, the shifting landscape, you know, the, the different tier systems and what we'll be able to do and what, you know, what will land well for, um, for people, you know, whether it's a campaign that kind of happens during a lockdown or whether it's a campaign that, you know, um, I guess rides that wave of optimism as we sort of begin to, you know, see the vaccine rollout take, take you know, take off. Um, so we've got quite adept at um, uh, reading the tea leaves, so to speak. Mm. You, Tomoy also joined Manifest just as the pandemic was kicking off. So we've actually never worked together creatively in person. Oh, so wow. our creative relationship together has been, yeah. been, on, been, been very much built out of working from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fascinating. To, how, how have you found that, like working remotely as creatives during, during this time? Is it a challenge? So uh, uh, just jumping in, like, so I, I kind of have done that before a little bit. My, my role was a little bit more global last time around. And, you know, you kind of, you think, so I've sort of had, I guess I had a little test run. Um, you realise the importance of um, turning on your camera on a Zoom meeting, you know, how actually having your camera off can be a bit rude sometimes. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, varying from, from that to just sort of meeting etiquette, um, you know, learning not to interrupt, but also when's the right time to sort of get in through to, I guess, just really relying on online tools that are much more geared towards collaboration. So sometimes we'll use a sort of online whiteboarding um, digital environment, as cheesy as it sounds, to kind of mimic the idea of having an ideas wall or a crazy wall where, you know, you can, you can both walk up to it and sort of touch it and kind of like really have conversations in front of it, you know, creative conversations. Um, we've had to replicate that. And I think probably one of the things Emma and I do is just pick up the phone to each other a lot. Mm. And yeah, talk. It's been, yeah, it's, it's, there's, it, it is, it does come with it, its challenges because when you're staring at a screen and you're, you're ideating together, it's almost sometimes like, like you're staring at a, a, a brick wall sometimes, but it's really important. What I found personally is to, to really force yourself to get away from your computer screen, get a, you know, a pad of paper in front of you and just let those, let the thinking sprawl out. Um, but it's, it comes with its, it, it's, we've worked through it as Chomoy said with some by in, introducing new tools um and we also sent out we created these um creativity packs um kits before christmas that we sent out to the team which had things like big a4 pads of paper in whiteboards and um you know post-it notes and things like that to 
to help to help bring that creativity out uh, 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 outside of you know looking at a blank computer screen it's going to be amazing when you can get back into the office together, isn't it? I mean, those, are those early post-lockdown brainstorms are going to be quite something. Yeah, they'll definitely be refreshing. Um, so thank you very much. I'm glad everything's going okay. I think everyone's still navigating the challenges, but, you know, I think in the, in the UK, the end does feel like it might be slowly in sight. So that's that's amazing. In the meantime, you have managed to create some extraordinary work. So we, I want to talk about specifically your Tommy Tippy Boob Life campaign, which went live a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, tell me a bit about what the brief was from the client. Who's best to handle that one? Well, we're, we're sort of, we're, we're partners in crime. Um, so, you know, <laughs> either of us really, but um, as I'm talking, I'll, I'll just kind of quickly um, drop something in and Emma do do... Um, uh, keep an eye on what I'm saying as well. So uh, it, it was actually a really great brief. Um, and I think, you know, you should ever sort of set, blame the brief. It's, it's always, there's always scope for creativity, but this one was particularly clear. Uh, Tommy Tippy wanted to be known simply as the brand that understands mums and demystifies feeding. Um, so they really had a single-minded um, communications objective, which kind of made it really easy. And what's the, you know, just to get kind of dial back a bit on what the brand is, what, what have they done up till now? What's their positioning? Who are their, who are their audience? Is it, is it, is it just mums? What kind of geography have they concentrated on, on marketing to? What's their, what's their, what have they been saying in the world until now? Yeah, so they've mostly been known for a brand that um, uh, innovates at the product level. So the, um, the, the, the kind of the nipple actually on bottles is, um, you know, almost it, it's so well designed. It's almost the best on the market. They're very well known in the UK, um, but in terms of the US market um, and the Australian market, um, it's a little bit more challenging. Certainly in the US, there are much larger players and also challengers um, who are coming out with very different narratives. Um, and just to sort of top line it, their, their comms were really around um, how they provide a sort of end-to-end -end, um, range. Um, so, you know, that, that will be anything from um, bottles, um, you know, through to everything else you need for baby. Uh, so that actually they're there for, for you, you know, they can actually um, cover all of your needs. And this was this was new for them to kind of really focus on feeding and really push forward in this category. So there's sort of a number of things, sort of quite stagnant messaging from some of the big incumbents. Um, made for me messaging was already there. So they really had this focus on mum. But I think it's fair to say that they were waiting um, for creative, some piece of creative to go further, but they didn't quite know what it was. They'd, they, they would say that they'd started on this journey and certainly had and had made inroads, but hadn't quite nailed a piece of creative that worked globally um, and that all the markets could get behind. Amazing. And Emma, what was your kind of first response to the brief? I was, I was really, really excited about it. I mean, I'm, I'm in that stage of life where I've got lots of friends who are 
um, you know, having their having babies, um, they're pregnant, they're going through all of this. So it was really nice. It was really nice as, as locked, you know, for me to connect with them and talk to them about it. And I had a lot of conversations with, you know, my own my own mother and um, my my best friend and um, other other connections I have about about their experiences and their stories. I'm I'm not a parent myself. I'm um, so I haven't gone on that journey. And I think sometimes when you're given a creative brief that it isn't necessarily something that you can you can firsthand relate to, it's quite exciting because you can it, it pushes you to really dive in and jump in. Um, and I think we both really took the opportunity to do that um, in speaking to, to women and, and speaking to, to mums who are going through this. Um, and that was a real kind of part of the power behind this campaign was how honest it was. And we were bringing to life real stories. So describe to me, what was the what is the Boob Life campaign? What was your kind of creative idea and where did it come from? So the, the Boob Life campaign, it came from us. Our, our, the, the first step we took when we got the brief um, was to line up interviews with um, pregnant women and new mums in, in the three hero markets, so the US, Australia and the UK. And we held off on any thinking um, until those conversations had happened. We wanted to, to hear from them, you know, their experiences, their challenges, their struggles, um, their ambitions, how it felt to be um, feeding as a first-time mum. And it was it was very kind of became very quickly apparent um, what we were hearing from mums and what mums were telling us um, what we needed to do. You know, a lot of mums were saying. A lot of the women we spoke to were saying, um, "I didn't feel prepared for for feeding." You know, all all the focus from from professionals and experts and um, support groups before you give birth and you go into labour is is the labour itself, and then when you come to feed, it feels like it hits you like a ton of bricks, and you're just so unprepared for it. Um, they also talked about feeding judged, um, and that they felt that everyone was an expert on what they should do. Um, but that they felt there was a lot of expectation placed on them. Um, so we started to tease out this narrative around, um, you know, diverse, diversity and, and diverse and inclusive feeding and um, the importance of breaking down stigmas around judgment and um, the sexualization of, of, of breasts and breastfeeding. And um, we wanted we 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 wanted to shine a light on some of these you know these trickier conversations and these stigmas and these harder experiences that women were going through. But we wanted it to be empowering. We wanted um, we set out to um, inspire women and empower them to have positive feeding feeding um, experiences. So it was really key that this campaign was celebratory. Um, hence, kind of this. Re this is where the boob life kind of sprung from as a, as a platform, um, and as, and as a creative platform that we actually took through into into a, into the campaign. And Tom, my, do you want to my, add I was just going to say Emma said it perfectly. Um, but there's a really interesting thing here. Is, is you know, as a man, you know, what what role could I play in this? It, it very quickly became apparent that um, I could play a supporting role. You know, lifting up um, these stories and lifting up um, these women who are saying, I don't want to be labeled as a mum. 
you know, I'm a person first. So you can see that in the sort of the final um, film, the final ad execution, um, we're featuring real women. We're featuring all of their stories in that glorious um, honesty and that in that in its rawness. Um, so, as Emma said, really, the way we could um, speak about the subject, the way we could portray these stories, um, became very quickly obvious to us. I love that you've. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm. I'm a mum of two, and everything you've said, Emma and uh, and Shamoy, even though you know both of you are not breastfeeding mums yourself, really resonates with me because it's so. You only need to spend five minutes on mum's net, even if you're not actually a, a, a mum or pregnant yourself. There's such politicisation around this. There's so many layers. You said about sexualization and and guilt and expectations and judgment. And it's really it's really hard to kind of navigate your way through all of that and just get on with feeding your baby. So I love that you went straight to that kind of diversity of, of, of real women's stories. It's a beautiful, it's a stunning bit of bit of creative. And um, what was the initial response? What's the kind of the creative process? Just run me through what, so you come up with an initial idea, break down the kind of the evolution of the campaign for me. Yeah, okay, well, I'll, ju I'll jump in on a few things here. So um, at Manifest, we always talk about significance. Um, uh, what I should have mentioned at the start when I kind of top-lined the brief is that um, a key KPI was awareness um, uh, and, and then consideration to purchase. So um, we'll always um, think about how a brand can be significant, and that means showing up in culture. That means looking at the issues, and you very eloquently talked about them, Maya, you know, on Mumsnet, as soon as you go out and look on social, you know, we saw all sorts of different opinions. Um, so we're always looking for that significance and that intersection of culture. And once we start to find that area, um, we uh, refine that into, um, you know, our single-minded strategy, um, uh, our inciting moment. Um, and then uh, it becomes actually really easy to begin to think about lots and lots of different ideas around this. So we'll then go quite wide and um, throw out lots of ideas that kind of illustrate or activate the boob life. And obviously you can see that we've started to get to this narrative. The boob life is honest. The boob life um, is inclusive. The boob life will leave no mum behind. Um, but the boob life is unapologetic. It's not afraid to, to kind of go there. So it begins to get a bit of a life of its own. Sorry, excuse the pun. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, why a film? Well, it just ended up being um, the best articulation of this, and partly because it was a bit of a reset moment for the brand. This was going to be a sort of globally used asset um, and campaign that then the markets could sort of really run with, um, make their own, um, you know, local activations as well. I'm just going to stop talking because otherwise I'll go on. And <laughs> I'm sure I missed out loads. I think strategically we we always we have this kind of central creative thought and it's it's all shaped around how we can have a positive impact on on the world on on women on our audience how can we change their lives positively so everything strategically is built out of that ambition um and it's that's kind of the, the superpower behind it really 
what was the um response to the app from the client and the and the target audience well from from the client's perspective um it was really simple for them they really got behind it as soon as they saw it and then it was a case of really just bringing um markets along the journey and uh you know by and large i think in the early concept phase uh, by and large in the early concept phase they were up for it um but i think um you know they did have to kind of trust us a little bit um so once they saw the first first edit you know i think they really they really understood it and now the conversations we're having once it's live with with the um uh global markets um they're super excited about it one uh senior um figure uh, over there the brand said you know we've been waiting for this for years and and i'll just add one more thing you know we we really tried to make sure we had um as much of a sort of a, a female skew to our crew and our team um, and mums as well on our team and and really early on one um uh, mum and a director who um sort of proposed a treatment for the film um you know she said this is exactly how i would have wanted to be spoken to when i was pregnant mm. Yeah, it strikes a, a really cool note. Emma, Emma, any responses that you had that really struck where you knew you'd kind of got it spot on? I think we we tested the video. We tested the fi- the film, sorry, didn't we, Jamoy? Yeah. Um, and you know, the 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 stats from from that came back so positive. And and this was in a, a kind of early iteration of the film as well. Um and it was it was in the 90s of people love or people like it. 90% of the people wow. we tested it with, which is really high. And yeah. we always knew that it was going to, I think we always, we were quite confident that people, it was going to resonate so well because the film, you know, features real women, re, their real stories. It's, it's honest, it's raw. Um, the research we did went into it and really guided it. So it's not like we plucked this out you know, we've stuck our finger in the air and said, I think this will work. We 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 spoke with over 750 women through quantitative and qualitative research. And all of that went into guiding the creative and, and the, the output. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a pretty comprehensive testing <laughs> response mechanism. Yeah. How effective has it been in business terms? You obviously had KPIs around consideration and awareness. If, if, is it too early to start gauging the, the business impact of the campaign? Yeah, well, so we, we had this. Um, so, yeah, we had this chat with um, with our client um, a couple of days ago. And it, it is a little early because the um, there is paid media that was only recently switched on, I think, in the last week. Um but uh, in terms of sort of the initial reaction on social, um, the it, it's going really well. Um, it, some of the comments, um, you know, I was scrolling through um, the other evening, uh, just really heartwarming. They're really wonderful. You, you know, people are saying, wow, this ad. People are tagging in their friends saying, you should see this. People are saying, well done, or I've never seen this before, or thank you for showing this. Um, so we, we wait and see for the final results, but initial um, response has just been uh, overwhelming. That's brilliant. Um, I think there's a, a wider conversation to be had. I mean, like you said, that the, Tommy Tippy is a brand, so this is what we've been waiting for. 
what how i mean they're obviously ready to be brave what's the kind of the tension or the balance between you wanting to push a brand to be to be braver and to uh, you know maybe push a bit further on on expanding the conversation or breaking tattoos and the and the brand's being ready how do you gauge where you've got it exactly right well just jumping in here, we we talked about with our client um, this around this very point um, again if you, within last week, and I think there's this idea that uh, bravery ends up um, being risky. Mm. And when we look at this, and we've lived with this, as Emma said, you know, there was a point where we knew this was right. This was the story. Uh, these were the stories we needed to tell. Um, regardless of what a social platform will say about it or, or whomever. Uh, we, we knew this is what we were doing as a project. And, um, it, you know, when you have those testing, those test, early test results, um, you know that actually that there is less risk here. But I think this is about early days, a client understanding that they can stand up for something and getting, getting past that mental barrier if there is one. And then it becomes much easier um, because it's actually riskier to not do something that has impact, to do something that's not disruptive, to do something that's almost more noise and more wallpaper. Because actually, if you look at your return on investment, you're spending a lot to say little. Mm. So when you start to kind of turn it on its head, um, we don't think it's that brave, really, to be honest. Yeah, I loved it because um, Neil over at Tommy Tippy, who was he worked, you know, led the project from their side. Um, he he saw a comment somewhere saying, "Oh, it's bold campaign." He's like, "Well, it's it's not a really a bold campaign, is it? Because it had to be done. Like, it's it's this women are going through these experiences every single day, and we've just been the brand to to shine a light on it and." Um, I thought I thought that was really nice hearing him say that about it's not actually a bold campaign. Mm. It's really interesting, isn't it? There's something about work to do with women and normalising conversations that we have among ourselves, but that aren't in the public domain around, uh, you know, periods. There's loads of the classic can-winning work around that the Blood Normal campaign for Libras and Body Form, that tampon book by Schultz and Friends in Germany that won loads of awards uh, mm. last time can was real in 2019 doves obviously classic real beauty campaign with with being edelman there's it's really interesting isn't it that that to women these aren't taboo conversations but they they if you know in your in your group of trusted friends necessarily but it's it, it's seen as being brave like you say it's it's actually normalizing a conversation that's just not happening on a on a wider platform and it's really it's 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 fascinating how you can use creative to kind of break through a taboo and normalize so you're right it's not a risk is it it's bringing something to the fore rather than kind of going completely left field exactly i think what you said earlier about you know it only takes you 20 minutes to go or was it shorter 10 minutes to go on mum's net and read some of the conversations going on there and same, you know, there's apps like Peanut where um, women are, you know, millions of women are, are having these conversations all the time and offering advice and support. And th 
but these conversations are happening, you know, on siloed platforms and behind apps. And but actually, it's really important to, to air them because mm -hmm. that's how, if you air them and you talk about them, women will will be will be 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 more prepared for for breastfeeding. And one of the women we spoke to said. Um, breastfeeding is the cruelest joke after labor no one no one prepares you for it and it was like lift someone lifted a veil up when I started and just like revealed the truth and I wish I'd known more before because I just could have prepared myself mentally and emotionally for what I was going to go through um but it, it's really important to that these conversations happen and otherwise nothing will change and women will com continue to you know be negatively impacted by negative feeding experiences and have their mental health impacted by it too mm, absolutely and and chamoy as a as a bloke kind of leading the creative on this campaign were there, i mean were there any surprises for you did it i mean it must have been interesting being part of conversations you possibly hadn't been part of before yeah totally and and um you know, I mean, it does go back to, to to our experiences, and I think I think back to to you know a really close friend of mine who um, found it incredibly hard with her first one, who's who's actually my my godson, and um, you know that first time when you hear about it, you sort of your your eyes are open and you you kind of okay, I'm I'm learning about this, but like I clearly don't understand any of this. I you know, and I think for me, I'm I'm. You know, I love learning, so I will just listen and soak it all up and understand how I can help. And, you know, very, I think we're all fed up of hearing brands tell us stuff that's just not true, mm. you know, or we're all fed up of this sort of advertising conceit that, you know, comes from a sort of place of that expertise. And we're, we're hungry for real connection. Mm. Yeah, in the last year or so, we know how, um, we've all realised the, the 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 value um, of what we perhaps took for granted uh, before of that of, of human connection, and I think what the ad industry is having to kind of reckon with um, is with social and with more and more ways how people can create their own communities, their WhatsApp groups, their um, Slack channels. Um, that you know, if if brands don't sort of wake up and change the way they behave, they're just simply going to get left behind and get overtaken by brands that really do listen, that do encourage and lift people up and tackle things and go places that perhaps brands haven't gone in the past. Mm, it's I think that's a really interesting point, actually. I think the, the other point about the, the past year is that, you know, another layer of that kind of um, veneer has been stripped away, hasn't it? I mean, it, I'm thinking particularly around, uh, you know, being honest about mental health as well, about how how you are. The answer that everyone gives is probably not, oh, I'm fine now. <laughs> so people are being more honest and it's it's up to brands to keep up with, you know, what what the real talk is really, isn't it? Not to just pretend everything's shiny and gorgeous in consumer land. Yeah, and we we all um, need, you know, um, a, a friend to help us navigate the incredibly, you know, challenging news headlines that we see all the time. Mm. Um, so I think there's an aspect where we definitely embrace positivity, but not that kind of saccharine positivity. This was about, you know, really celebrating um, and 
you know, doing that in a kind of way that's that's not kind of like I'm, you know, softly, softly I'm going to be in the corner. But like I think when we were looking at music choice, this was quite interesting in that um, we were playing a few tracks and the, the the phrase battle cry came out. And then we started to realize, yeah, can we be a battle cry for mums and for, for women everywhere? Um, so yeah, that, that's all part of it. Um, what music did you settle on in the end? Uh, so I forget the name of the track, but if you if you listen to it, um, we 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 didn't have enough budget to to, to get someone uh, well known or um, you know originally we were looking at um, Cardi B as a sort of mm. you know someone who doesn't you know shy away from being herself, and that's the kind of um, music we were going for. But I think if you listen to it, you feel like it's yeah this is kind of saying I'm here um, and uh, I'm going places. Um, tell me a bit more about, I mean, this is clearly a manifest thing because you've both brought this up, this thing about the intersection of brands and culture and creativity. To, talk to me a bit more, uh, both of you, about how that, how you bring that to life when you're kind of uh, conceiving of a brand new campaign for, for a client. Well, I, I once heard this um, story about a creative director who... Um, apparently it was just on YouTube all day. And I remember sort of hearing it and the person said, you know, was kind of saying it's a bad thing, but I actually think it's a great thing because if you're out there in the culture, um, you're, you're just getting out of your own head. Mm. And Emma talked about how we, we listened to mums and women, which was central to our strategy. Um, but, you know, you, you, you couldn't do this campaign with the confidence that we had um, without doing that. Mm. So, you know, culture is something I think we bandy around a lot. Um, but when it comes to it, that can sometimes be reduced to um, a strategist running out of time and, you know, logging into something that's spoon fed to them, copying and pasting a paragraph and sticking it in a PowerPoint. You know, that that's not like understanding culture. So um, it's something we pride ourselves on really spending time um, and I think the, the biggest thing, and again, obviously for, for a bloke who's not going to ever breastfeed or, or feed in the same way um, as, as mums will, um, you know, you really, I really have to get outside of my own self and my own head. I think that's part of it. It's that empathy part. Yeah. And, and with this campaign as well, it's, it's a global campaign and the culture around breastfeeding in different in the different um, markets is very different. Um, so, how's it different? So, for example, in the US, um, women that the maternity leave is you know a lot shorter. It's a matter of Five weeks, minutes. I believe. Yeah, and so there's more more women do a mix of of feeding, so pumping, breastfeeding, bottle feeding, um, because they have because they're, they're kind of pushed into that position. Not pushed necessarily, but like they have to go back to work and they have to be able to fit feeding in, in with that. And in the UK, the maternity leave is a lot longer. Um, and so the campaign needed to be nuanced and we needed to, it wasn't just the culture around and the stigma surrounding breastfeeding in the UK, but also in the US and in Australia and, and other markets as well. And making sure that the creative that we were pushing out was nuanced and, was you know diverse and was inclusive 
Mm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. I, I wonder if this will end up being one of those classic campaigns where it just moves the conversation on through a, a really insightful bit of creative. I'm sure it I'm sure it will be. Okay. I, I want to finish off both of you with um, uh, it's been such an interesting conversation, massively overrun. But there you go. That's cool. Um, what what habit? Have you both started in lockdown that you are going to continue when we're out of the woods, hopefully very shortly? Chamoy, what have you been up to? The oh, past wow. year? You're really putting me on the spot. I think um, <laughs> we were chatting earlier about creativity and, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on sort of like, you know, always being able to come up with ideas no matter what the brief. And to be honest, the humble walk, the humble walk around the block um, just to mull over you know, um, the creative problem, I think I've definitely valued. So uh, I think we're going to be doing more walks around the block. Yeah, well, that's all we've been able to do for a while, isn't it? But I'm glad I'm glad that you're thinking of, uh, of continuing that. Emma, what about you? It's not really campaign or work related at all, really, but I have um, been just taking up lots of different creative projects. I've done everything from, you know, learning how to make candles to upholstery and things. And for me, you know, being creative in my job is, is always really fulfilling and, but it's doing, it's being creative in different ways and keeping, you know, keeping learning different things. And, and when I'm, when I'm doing my art and when I'm doing, you know, these different projects, it's a mindful exercise and you're coming up with ideas even when you don't even realize it. Mm. So when you go back to work and, you know, life suddenly comes back to normal and your time is, you've got less time and you're not at home as much. I think for me, it would be trying to find a way to keep up those different creative projects because they've been really key to, key to me. Not to mention the new puppy. Not to mention the new puppy. <laughs> if I still have a, an arm left by the time. <laughs> yeah, well, well done for keeping <laughs> around the room for half an hour. That's uh, that's something that's you. Um, both of you, Chamoy and Emma from Manifest, thank you so much for joining me on the Provoke podcast today. It's been fascinating to take a real deep dive into that campaign process um, for Tommy Tippy's Boob Life. Um, uh, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. <laughs> been listening to the Provoke podcast brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialists marketeers. Support for this podcast comes from Notified, the integrated, intelligent and easy to use PR software. Get a free demo today at notified.com.